Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host as always, Adel Marcy. We're sponsored today by purelyhosting.com forward slash Adel. Go there, get your business shared hosting. They'll build your website as well as a favorite to me and just rock on, do, you, do your thing. We're also sponsored by, and I'm happy to say this because it's taking me like a whole week to get this person on the show, uh, jenscalia.com. That's J-E-N-N-S-C-A-L-I-A.com. Not Scalia, Scalia. It's kind of cool. <laughs> get that right. She'll slap you otherwise. My friends have told me. Anyway, Jen, are you there? Thank you for being here. I'm here. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Woo! Let's go. All right, cool. So for a little bit of background story on what I know about you, because I've kind of stalked you since last <laughs> week. Uh, I apologize slightly. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I kind of like it. I know. You know, <laughs> you call it every so often. It helps. Um, what I was going to say was that pretty much what I love so much about you is how you went from basically a very, very fucked up place to like a really good place in the shortest space of time I've ever seen someone do it. With a kid. With a kid as well. Just gonna throw that out there. You have a kid with it at, during the situation. Yes, so, sir. Wow. So like how first question is like what how did how did it all kind of come about? Like what happened? How did you A get in said situation and B get out of said situation because some people just get into that situation like okay i'm happy in this hole now i'm going to sit here this is my house yeah that was the old me uh the old me definitely would have stayed there and you know i i had somebody watching me this time um which is my son and okay, when i, I started my yeah when i started my business um he was about two um and i actually started my business because i kept getting laid off i was laid off from a casino job and I was just like, screw this. Like, I'm tired of somebody saying when you're going to have money, when you're going to get a paycheck, when you're going to have a job. So I set out to create my own thing. Um, the only problem was I had a lot going against me. Um, I was going through a divorce, had lots of debt, about $60,000 worth of debt. Um, so, yeah, I was in a really bad place. I was losing my house. I actually had to move in with my parents, which at the time I thought was like the biggest failure ever. Um, and I just took that time and I said, you know what, I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going to change this. And that's why it happened so fast because I really put my mind to it. And I said, I'm going to make the change. And I did. That's pretty awesome. And it's kind of funny how many people kind of end up living back home at mom and dad's at one point in their adult life. Yeah. Like, um, what's his face? T. Harvecker did. And he was like, yeah, that, this is my home. I went back to my parents' place. And like a year and a half later, I had like this really big house now all to myself. I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, when I first moved in, um, like I said, I thought, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like the biggest loser ever, right? Um, but I just was like, I'm going to be here for a year. I said, give me a year, and I'm going to get my shit in order. And it took me about a year and three months, because the house I was moving into had to get gutted and redone and everything. But within a year and three months, I was out of there, and now I, I actually paid rent up front for the entire year. So I'm kind of living like the life right now, not having to pay any bills, um, which is really, really awesome. But I'm in my own spot. <laughs> See, I love it when that happens because like that's, that was um, that is still one of my goals is to actually be able to pay like the whole year of rent to where I live. Um, but don't get me wrong. I love owning houses like and the concept of owning a house, but I don't want to own my own house just yet because I'm like... I like to like own other people's shit where they live and I get rent and stuff and then I'll buy my own eventually. But right now I'm still, I'm still like, as far as it goes, as far as like my family goes, I'm still seen as a kid. Yeah. So I can get away with murder, which is lovely. So, <laughs> so you've spoken about your son and I've got to ask, what's his name? 
His name is Dante. Okay, that's the, the most badass name for a child ever. Yep. <laughs> Please tell me that you said it from Dante's Inferno, not just because you were playing Devil May Cry. <laughs> um, I don't know. It took me a while to come up with the name, but, you know, I, I said it on Dante, and my entire family was like, what? We're not naming him Dante. And I was like, oh, yeah, we are. Um, his middle name is actually Cristiano, so he's Dante Cristiano. I think it would be totally cool if he dropped the last name, like Dante Cristiano. That is a badass name. Wait. What's his surname? Scalia. Okay, no, keep it. Come on, that just sounds like so badass. It's like Dante Cristiano Scalia. Just like a yeah. triple threat right there. It's like, boom, how, how much more Italian can I get? Right? Yeah. Uh, hold on. Uh, this is the joys of having a mother that messages you halfway through a podcast and goes, what are you doing? I'm like, on a podcast. He goes, okay, say hi for me. Like, Aw. Okay, fine. Um, so that's pretty awesome. So, okay, cool. So... You're in 60 grand's worth of debt. You made this decision to get out of mom and dad's house because you had to move back in. You moved back out. What was the mindset shift? Because like to, to go through that mindset, it's incredible. It was huge. Um, and I actually didn't even realize previous to this that I had like a money story or that I had the shit that was holding me back. Um, and I definitely contribute at least 90% of my success to mindset and changing my beliefs around money, about what I believed I deserved, about what I believed I could achieve. I actually took a program, um, it's called Lucky Bitch. Figured mm -hmm. you would like that. Um, and it was all about money mindset and like reprogramming our story and that program just completely changed my life. I didn't even realize that half the shit that was going on was really holding me back. I mean, I had memories from you know childhood, from my dad, buying his first Corvette and, you know, stuff that happened with old boyfriends that all kind of was keeping me stuck in this like really funky mentality when it came to money. Also just what I believed I deserved. I mean, 35,000 was like 35 to 40,000 was like the norm when I was working corporate. Um, so it was no surprise that my first year in business, I made about $35,000. That's kind of, that was my cap. That's what I thought I could make. Um, but once I started making these shifts, I just completely skyrocketed. I went from 35000 my first year to 500000 my second. Holy crap, that's amazing. That's pretty cool. So kind of let's go on to like from that, what is it that you actually do? Like personally, like what is your business model right now? Right, right now my business model is actually changing, but I started my business really helping other entrepreneurs with their um, online marketing and really getting out there and getting visible, whether that be through social media, guest blogging, just really putting themselves out there and getting their message heard. Um, and I did most of this through one-on-one -on -one coaching, so I was doing a lot of consulting, um, just being on the phone a lot, and right now I'm transitioning to doing more of a publisher model where I have people coming into my membership site and I'm just doing like weekly and monthly trainings for them. That is pretty badass. I love it when that happens. Um, membership sites are like one of my favorite things of all time yeah. and newsletters. I love publishing those. Oh, um, I love email. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird because like I used to, it's really weird. I used to love email a lot and I'm kind of like half and half. And um, I think one of the next people that we have coming out on the show is uh, Ben Settle, you know, the email players guy. Yeah. Yeah, I've got him on the show. It's going to be interesting having him there. Um, but the reason I mentioned him is because his style of email is what I love most. I mean, I write copy and stuff, and I love it, but writing email does get tedious, uh, oh, at least know. for me. It's just like, <laughs> really, what else can I tell you? What else can I say to you? Seriously, can I? And um, 
Uh, something that a friend of mine showed me was basically how to elicit response from people is never ask them the question, how can I help you? It's always ask them like a really stupid question when you're emailing your mailing list. Um, so the one that I always use is uh, I'm making chicken fajitas tonight. What's your favorite? What's your favorite recipe for it? <laughs> Seriously, that email gets responses every single time. Love it. I'm like, seriously? I, I, it's like, okay, uh, you got two options. How? What can I do to help your campaign like convert three times higher? Barely any response. How do I make chicken fajitas? Way more responses. I'm like, okay, so you guys like food. You assholes. I hate every <laughs> single one of you. I'm just kidding. I love them really. But um, so kind of like going from there, what's like the thing that's coming out next? You're going to be the publisher model right now. Are you publishing yeah. a book at all or are you writing a book? No, not publishing as in a book, but more as in my membership site. Yeah, infographics. Trainings. Yeah. So I have right now 350 people in there, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but I want thousands. <laughs> I want at least a thousand by the end of the year. I want 2000 by next year. Um, I really want that to be like my number one thing in my business because I really feel like I can help a lot more people, um, even though the price point is lower, obviously, than what I would charge for consulting. But it's I, I love doing it. I just love creating content. So what's, what's the price point? Um, it's $47 a month. Oh my god, that is like super cheap. I mean, don't worry, there's something, you and, I, you and I will have a conversation after this call about this kind of stuff, because it's very fascinating to me, and maybe I can help you with something, but anyway, jumping back into, like, the pool of mindsets, because, uh, by the way, the only reason I'm, like, staying on this, like, crazy is because mindset helps so many different things, and people don't understand that, like, illness, disease, lifestyle, business, money, relationships, everything is mindset, so... What would be your top three books that you recommend for mindset, though? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, the first one is Lucky Bitch. Um, it's actually called Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. Um, that is actually the first book that I read that led me to take her program. Um, it's by Denise Duffield Thomas. That's a mouthful, but cool. Yeah, we call her DDT. <laughs> um, other books on mindset, you know, I really don't read books on mindset, um, but a couple other books that I like really love that I think have helped me transform just who I am as a person and seeing things differently are uh, The Four Agreements. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know that book? Love that uh, book. Excellent book. And every time I start to get, you know, kind of in this funky place, I always go back to that book because it just reminds me that, you know, I just, you know, my favorite part of that is that don't take anything personal. <laughs> um, I used to be one of the people who would take everything personally, right? And um, so that part of that book actually helps me a lot when I'm going through some stuff. And another one of my really, really favorite books that doesn't even have anything to do with business is The Alchemist. And mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's, a, you know, it's a story, but I feel like it is kind of mindset, right? Because we can go out and search and search and search for this thing and all all along it was inside of us we had it the whole time oh entirely it's one of my favorite books of all time i i like reading that book every year like once a year at the start of the year or at the end of the year i'll just start reading that book and it takes me about a day to finish yeah it's pretty um, quick it's, it's a really simple book to read and it's engaging and yeah i love it so to match yours do you mind if i give my three maybe this will help you yeah cool uh again i love business and mindset books but Again, I try not to read too much of the mindset stuff because if you read too much, you rarely apply. Um, so I'm not going to give the same ones that you gave because they are, like, two of those are my favorites, which is, of course, Four Agreements and The Alchemist. So my three would be The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Love that book. Mm. Have you read it? 
No, I have not. What? Oh my god, no. Okay, that book I'm going to be sending to you because that book <laughs> is just amazing. And if you listen, and anyone listening to this, if you go ahead and check out the audiobook version on YouTube, the guy that read it, Don Leslie, unfortunately passed away, but that guy has like the most badass voiceover voice <laughs> I've ever heard. It's like so cryptic. It's like, oh no, it's like law number one. It's so like smooth <laughs> and just gnarly and awesome. I love it. The second book is Three Simple Steps by Trevor Blake. Um, this is like one of the few books I really, really like on terms of like mindset, simply because Trevor, um, has a really good point. Most people that like write mindset books only become famous and make money after they've written that book, mm. which is true. Like a lot of people like Rhonda Van, um, she did the secret yep. and I was like super famous and stuff. Prior to that, she was practically a nobody. Um, Trevor goes like, dude, I own like three businesses that turn over X amount of million a year. I really don't need the money. All the money to this book is going to like a cancer research facility. Really don't need it. It's just some stuff I learned from my mom that I want to pass on to you. Brilliant book about three simple steps. Like awesome. Yeah. It's like assessing situations, mindsets, and understanding how you can have like a positive outcome to it. That's a great way. And the third book, again, not it's not self-help. It is kind of, hold on, how would I picture this? It's probably going to sound really strange, um, but Life's Golden Ticket by Brendan Bouchard. It oh, is self I love Brendan. It is self-help. <laughs> Sorry, it's not business, but it's self-help. And the reason I love that book is um, when I read it, it has a lot of punch to it, if that makes sense, about like how um, you, you're, you're raised, essentially. And for me, it was a lot about like a lot of stuff with, people's dads and people's families and what they went through as a kid and all these little things they have it's such an epic book to go through have you yep, i have that book yeah i mean yeah i love brendan brendan's a great guy i mean he's he's got he's done really well for himself over the last like six years yeah you don't say <laughs> it's really it's like hello my I'm friends with oprah winfrey i'm like damn you brendan <laughs> nah, he's a matchmaker though. I mean, there's so many of my friends that have actually met at his event and then become married because of it. It's insane. Oh wow! Yeah, um, two of my business, two of my business partners uh, who are really good friends of mine, uh, Murray and Marisa. They basically went ahead from Live Your Message. They basically went ahead and met at this event and, like, uh, I think a year later, married. It's incredible. I was like, wow, no way. And Murray was telling me the story. I'm like, this is like an incredible story about how Brendan brought people together. <laughs> um, but yeah, so wait, where are you based, by the way, right now? I am in New Jersey. Wow. Which part of New Jersey? South Jersey. It is not near New York at all. <laughs> yeah. It's actually just... right outside of Philadelphia. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, um, <laughs> Jersey is kind of like a weird place from what I've been told. Like, New Jersey is kind of a weird place from what I've been told. And New Jersey is, like, it really should be two states. Yeah. Um, North and very, south. Yeah, very different. Um, but, yeah, where I live, it's it's woods, country. There's not much around here, but I like it. <laughs> Serenity, essentially. And then you've got the north side, which is, well, I don't know where. Um, you have a lot of, like, the Italian kids up that north way, don't you? Or is that? That's kind of silly. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I have no idea of demographics of Jersey. I, like New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah, New Jersey, right side, of, right outside of New York is like all factories and very city-like. Yeah, that's that's not where I live. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. So, um, kind of like moving on from the like something you really did do um, 
like with your consulting and helping people get their message out there, what was like the one challenge you found with entrepreneurs getting in their own way trying to get the message out there? Because I know fear is like one of the biggest things that gets in my way. But what's what did you find with them and how did you help them overcome it? Yeah, it was definitely fear and doubt. I think, you know, a lot of people were just afraid that they would be judged. Um, you know, what would people think of me or I'm not smart enough to do this or I'm not educated enough or I need to do just this one more thing before I can go out there. Um, so they were really self-sabotaging, just getting in their own way and not allowing their brilliance to shine. Um, mm. So it's kind of like us peeling back those layers and saying, no, you are. Um, you can do it right now. Um, you can help people that need you. And if you don't, you're actually being quite selfish, right? You have something that you can share with the world and change people's lives, but you hide it because you're just not confident in yourself. You're actually doing a disservice to the people who need you. Yeah, that's incredible. I love how you so kindly put that for me. It's like you're being an asshole by not showing yourself. You do know that, right? <laughs> you're being <Well>, a sissy. <laughs> I like going with you're a selfish asshole. They're like, why? Because you are. <laughs> you're brilliant, but you're not sharing it. It's like greed yeah. and assholishness all okay. around. I had, to, I had to tell myself that, you know, uh, that's how, that's how I changed in business. I had to say, you know what, get the fuck over yourself, Jen, get over yourself. It's not about you. All right. So here's a question for you that I'm very curious about. How did you strengthen your mindset and keep yourself from kind of waning? Because I know from my own perspective and shocking to some people, I don't know why I do have days where I just want to like sit down and cry. And <laughs> it's like, why am I doing this? What taught you that I deserve this? And then the next day I'm like brilliant again. It's the strangest thing. So how did you like compensate for those days where you feel like everything's falling apart and I made a huge mistake to kind of going, you know what, Jen, I can keep going. It's fine. I know what I'm doing. Let's go. How did, what was the thing that you did? What practices did you put? It's place? definitely practice. It's, it's definitely waking up with that intention every morning and even going to bed every night with the intention that, you know, um, you're going to have gratitude for what you have. Um, you're going to really create whatever it is that you want. And it sounds so like bullshit. It sounds like woo woo, but it's really true. I mean, I would, I have several practices. One of them includes gratitude, but I do it a little bit differently. Um, I remember when I read the secret or I think I watched the movie first, um, and then read the book and I was like, this shit does not work. Um, it was about 10 years ago, couldn't figure it out. And, you know, once I started, you know, doing more practice around the mindset stuff, um, Gratitude became a really big one, um, but I wouldn't just have gratitude for the things that I have now. I would also do gratitude for things that I wanted that I didn't have yet. So say, for example, I wanted, um, you know, two new paying clients who paid me in full. Um, instead of saying something like, I want two new clients who pay me in full, within my gratitude practice, within saying, you know, I'm so happy and grateful that I have an amazing family that helps with my son. I'm so happy and grateful that I have two new clients that paid me in full that are a perfect match. So I would actually mix it together um, to kind of trick my mind, confuse my mind. Um, so it wouldn't really know what was true and what wasn't true yet. Um, and that was a daily practice that I did, um, or I still do. Um, pretty much every day. Sometimes I skip it um, if I'm tired or something, but for the most part, I also do uh, I am and I will statements where I'm making a declaration about who I am, who I want to be, and what I want to do. Uh, so that is definitely um, something that I do on a daily basis. Nice. Um, 
yeah, those are those are like my main ones. I mean, I do some other kind of like little reflective things where I'll say, you know, like what made me happy today? Um, what did I complete today? What what can I change? You know, I do some kind of reflexive reflective stuff like that. But the gratitude in the future, and then the I am and the I will statements really, I really feel like it gives me power, and it really, like, I just pumps me up, and I'm ready, and I'm like, yes, yes, <laughs> this is it. Let's go. Let's make it happen. See, that's really, that, that is amazing. Um, by the by, just completely off the side note here, um, something that I'm developing right now to help with that is something called Everyday Positivity. It's an app that we're developing where we basically send out, um, it's a paid app, so like you pay to join stuff, and you get, um, you get a progress chart where every day like you get a quote sent to your phone and you get exercises to put it into place. So an idea would be... Um, Become grateful for all that you have. And then underneath that, I would say, name three things that you're grateful for now, three things that you want to be grateful for as well. Mm, and yeah. then just like have that there. And that's just an amazing practice because um, the way that I actually started, do you mind if I tell you a story how I got started? Yeah. Cool. Go <laughs> so the thing I got started with the whole uh, practicing of gratitude was um, I had this story about Moses, which hardly anyone ever speaks about. And uh, sorry if it gets religious out there for my friends, but listen to the morals, not the, you know, whatever it is, just listen to it. Um, what happened was that Moses was on his way to Mount Sinai or Sinai um, to speak to God. And on his way up, he met a guy that was completely broke, poor, homeless, just loincloth, all he had, and he smelled. And he came up to Moses and goes, you're Moses. And he goes, yeah. He goes, you're going to speak to God, aren't you? He goes, yeah, I am. He goes, could you do me a favor? He goes, sure. What is it? He goes, and he goes in and says, um, ask God how I can become more wealthy because I have nothing in my life. How can I bring wealth into my life? Moses is like, all right, cool. I'll ask God. Don't worry about it. On the way up, he's halfway up. He sees a very, like, you know, it's farmland. And there's a very rich man that's like in on a farm. And he sees Moses in the distance, rides out to Moses um, with something to drink and goes, are you Moses? He goes, yes. He goes, do you want something to drink? He goes, no, I'm on my way to uh, speak to God. He goes, oh, great. I have a, I have a favor to ask him. It's okay. He goes, yeah, what is it? He goes, God has given me more in my life than I could ever ask for. I have a great wife, great kids, great land, great business. I give away 90% of my wealth and the next year I make more money back. And it's getting to the point where it's becoming burdensome, where I can't, where I'm starting to feel envy from my neighbors and the peers around me. Uh, how do I stop the wealth he's giving me? And Moses goes, all right, cool, I'll ask God how to do this. Goes up, speaks to God on the way back down. Sees the rich man first. The rich man, dry, uh, you know, rides out to him. And this time, and Moses had said, okay, I'll have a drink with you next time. So he rides out, has the drink, and he goes, you spoke to God. Um, did you ask him my question? He goes, ah, actually I did. And he goes, what did he say? He said, become ungrateful for what you have. And the rich man kind of like looked at Moses, kind of like, what the hell are you on about? And he goes, how can I be ungrateful for someone that, for, for my Lord that's given me so much when I had nothing? When I was a simple farmer, he, he took me from a simple farmer to becoming a man with more wealth than I know what to do with. How can I be ungrateful for that? And the glass um, that he had in his hand that was made of crystal, uh, the earth shook and he dropped it. And as soon as it shattered, it t turned into diamonds. Now Moses is still walking down um, the mountain and he sees the poor man. The poor man doesn't even address him. He just runs up to Moses and says, did you ask God? And Moses is like, um, yeah, he said that you need to become grateful for what you have. Mm. Uh, and that is the key to wealth. And the poor man, instead of taking the wisdom from it, looked at Moses and said, 
How dare you say that to me? God has taken everything away from me. I have nothing to be grateful for. No, I have no family, no wife, no kids, no wealth, no nothing. All I have is a loincloth. Now, not and how can I, how dare you say that I, be, that I have to be grateful for this? At that moment, a strong wind blew and took the loincloth with it, <laughs> and the man was left with nothing. So, moral of the story is: become grateful for what you have, and it, and your wealth always increases. So that's the, that was the thing that got me into doing a daily gratitude for myself. Yep. So, powerful. Yeah. So just like randomly side subjected <laughs> to that one. Yay. Cool. So um so what are you like some of your real interests like outside of business? Because I know we spoke about this before the call, um, where you try and take time off and you just can't because you're so invested in what you do. <laughs> like yeah. What do you try and do outside of that? Because like, you can't always be on, well, you can always work in your business, but you try, uh, yeah. I try and kind of keep away from always doing it because otherwise, you know, life escapes you, your health escapes you, everything kind of goes by the wayside. What do you do to really kind of calm down? Like, because I know you have a kid and everything, so that yeah. massively must help. Yeah, definitely family stuff. Um, I love just spending time with him and watching him he's five now and he is got an amazing personality he's just an awesome person and i'm very close with my uh parents i don't live there anymore but <laughs> um so i like to go visit them and stuff and actually one of my favorite pastimes is just really good food i love going out to restaurants with my friends and like eating a nice big steak and having some wine and just bullshitting and having a good time um so i love doing that um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I'm pretty boring. You know, I love to work. Um, I love to write. I've actually been writing since I was 12. Um, I wrote 300 poems when I was in high school. No uh, I still have them <laughs> somewhere. Um, I actually typed them out on a typewriter. So I have all these pages, um, in a book somewhere. And yeah, so I just like to write, read things like that. Um, but yeah, other than that, I love also traveling, but it has to be within the U.S. I don't really like traveling outside of the U.S. I don't like long plane rides and things like that. I went to Bali in December and it was it was insane. It uh-huh. was a twenty four hour flight. <laughs> yeah, that's going like all across the world. I was going to say, so does that mean that you're never coming to London? London's not that bad. I was going to say it's, it's a beautiful place to to be. Yeah. You know, we have like all the. It's the re, it, honestly, it's like the most messed up place in the world because it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's I have a, some friends in London. Um, I think I would. Um, I think just like the the abroad traveling has to be like maybe once or twice a year, and that's it. But I love I love California. I love San Diego. Um, so I love traveling, just like been in the U.S. and hanging by the pool and just relaxing and not having to do anything. That is actually, honestly, one of the best things in the world. I, I was talking to a, friend, a few friends of mine. Like, I've got some passport stuff that needs to be taken care of. But I always ask my friends, like, how is it that you do not travel every weekend outside into Europe? And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, if Europe is the cheapest flight ever. It's about $60 to travel from the UK to France for a weekend. Oh, wow. And I'm like, why aren't you in Paris exploring other parts of France? They're like, oh, blah, blah. I was like, you can go to the Louvre. It's like spend a weekend there. So I was like, but what about this Airbnb? <laughs> you have no excuses. I know that once I start traveling, I have like zero excuses uh, for anything except for like uh, I can't even say my cat because he, he has a cat passport. I'm not kidding. Like I can take him anywhere in the world. So wow. it's the best. When I come to the U.S., I'm actually bringing him with me. Can you take him into your restaurants and things like that? Uh, sometimes <laughs> is, I can. Is he like a therapy cat? 
He kind of is, but honestly, he's a real badass of a cat. I sometimes forget that he's an animal. Like, it's really weird. Like, I can have conversations with it. We're like, so what are you up to? And he'll just meow at me. I'm like, all right, cool. I know what he needs and stuff. It's the strangest feeling <laughs> when you have that. And this is for a, from a guy who hated cats, by the way. More of a dog lover, personally. Yeah. I just won't tell him that because now he's skulking. Like, you, you said the word dog. Hey, I must hunt something. He's adorable, though. Anyway, I'm um, kind of going back to it. I don't think you're boring for loving restaurants and stuff. Good food is brilliant. <laughs> I'm glad you're not a vegan because that conversation would become very, very weird between us. <sighs> um, not that I have anything against my vegan friends. I have a lot of them. It's just that I don't want to hear about your lifestyle and your diet a hundred times a day. Just like I'm sure you don't want me to talk about steak and meat and how good it tastes. Yeah. Because <laughs> steak is beautiful. It's like, but how do you have yours, by the way? Curious. Medium. Oh, thank God. Seriously, if you said... Hot like, pink center. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be like, anyone that does it well done, what's wrong with you? Yeah, every time somebody I'm with somebody and they order, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I have no is. idea what you're missing. <laughs> it's, like, so funny. I've, one of my friends has this horrible habit of, like, if you order, like, rare steak, like, sorry, not rare, um, well done steak in front of them, he almost wants to slap them. <laughs> He's like, you're ruining good meat. It's like, calm down. It's okay. It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the funniest thing ever to watch especially with like with salmon for some reason his thing is salmon but alas kind of going off topic entirely <laughs> yay um so food is never off topic it's a beautiful thing though i really wish restaurants didn't have such a shitty turnout rate of business because it is an amazing business model yeah but um it, the turnover rate in them is like ridiculous and again i actually believe that is down to more the mindset of the owner than it is the actual business yeah um, I, I would agree like my parents owned a restaurant when i was growing up and stuff so i do know they can work the only problem is that when the mindset becomes poisoned it's very very hard to actually keep a business running let alone anything else and i'm going to go back to that well one more time with you because um because <laughs> i do know okay i do know that you write articles on relationships marriage sex happiness and all the other things um and that is actually a very key component to business, and very few people really understand that, is that you need to have, like, if you have a happy um, life outside of business, you also have a happy life inside business. Mm -hmm. And that's to do with mindset. So what is, like, what are some of the things that you found make a very successful relationship, especially from an entrepreneurial standpoint? Yeah, I think it's, it's the same as, like, running the business, right? I think that you really have to have intention um, you have to have a good mindset around it and you have to be resilient and you have to know that not thing, not everything is always going to work out the way that you want it to, or be exactly how you want it to. Um, that's one of the things, you know, for me in business was being very, um, open to things changing and not looking exactly the way. And it's the same when it comes to relationships, you know, nobody's perfect. Um, and you have to be okay with that. Um, and if you love that person, then it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, for me, my relationships have been a little tough, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, I'm in a relationship now and it's it's a little weird because it's the first time where like I'm the breadwinner and I'm making a lot of money and I feel like that's a little what a hard on that's a little hard on him. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but I kind of get that feeling. Um, so kind of working through stuff like that and me always working um, is an issue sometimes. Um, but I think it's all, it all just comes down to mindset. It really comes down to mindset. 
and what you want out of it and your intentions. Definitely. There was an article written not too long ago about how to date an entrepreneur. Mm. And I read that and I was like, this is so true. <laughs> so now anytime I'm even potentially thinking about getting into a relationship with someone, I send it to them. Because I found that as much as I want to get into a relationship with another entrepreneur, I'm like, I know how crazy I am. Yeah. Do I really want to bring this on a double fold? Because now I need someone that, like, because it's going to sound really sad, but we do need people to cuddle us every so often. Just to be like, it's okay, it's okay. Bambi, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Bambi's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. It's fine. And you just need that from time to time. Now imagine that you're the one that needs that, and now you've invited someone else that needs that as well. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, I thought about that, actually. I was like, you know, do I want to date somebody who's quote-unquote normal? Um, or do I want to date somebody who's ambitious and go-getting and just like insane as I am? I really don't think that would be a good match. <laughs> well, it depends. There is there is like capabilities where you two can unite each other and help each other out in your businesses. And there is massive examples of that amongst like a lot of my friends. Yeah. Where they found someone that is just as entrepreneurial, just as business-minded as they are. The only difference is they don't mind taking the back seat every so often. Yeah. And that's the big part I've noticed with success and uh, failure in those types of relationships is who's willing to take the back seat and let the other one kind of go forward for a little bit. And it always switches. Like, for instance, you're the breadwinner right now, and you might always be. Um, but sometimes if they're a fellow entrepreneur, they're like, all right, cool, listen, I'm going to this conference. I need you to take some time off to look after whatever it is that we're doing. Um, is that cool? And sometimes you have to make the sacrifice play. You're like, yeah, you know, that's fine. Yeah. It's, I guess it's coming to terms with that, really. And I'm kind of like, because the more I think about it, it is genuinely that kind of thing. Um, dating normal people is fun, but you have, they have to be prepared to actually date you. They, they have to have, like, the, the guide as in, okay, sometimes I'm going to be hormonal as hell, and there's going to be no reason for it. Other times, I'm just going to want chocolate. Just, you know. As a guy, when you say that to, like, other people, like, so you're on a man period? Yes. Yes, I am. Chocolate, cuddles, some flowers at times, and I'm happy. Stick on a movie. No rom-coms. We'll do this. <laughs> Speaking of which, are you a movie buff, yes or no? I don't know if I would call myself a movie buff, but when I do want to just relax and not work, I do watch movies. I, uh, I just love horror movies. <laughs> I don't know why. I just always want to watch a scary movie. Oh, my God. You would be the nightmare for me. <laughs> I can't do horror movies at all. It's like I'm the biggest boss in the world when it comes to them. Like, I can do, like, thrillers and stuff like that. But if it's, like, a real horror movie, like, supernatural horror, it just yeah. freaks me out. <laughs> like, paranormal activity. Yeah, and... <laughs> I, I can't do any of that stuff. It's like, I watch that. I have nightmares for three days. I'm like, hey, someone just... I love it. <laughs> Whereas for me, something like Cape Fear. That's a good movie. Yeah, no, I like thrillers, too. Yeah, De Niro. Yeah. By the way, let's just stop for a second. Applaud De Niro on how amazing that performance was because... Dear God, I pooped myself. That was a, that's a classic. Definitely a classic. Yeah. It's incredible how um, how he is. Like, it's just one of those movies where it's gripping and fearful all at the same time, yet it's so well thought out and the story's brilliant. Um, but to take it back a second for a real horror movie, I don't know if you've actually seen this. Um, well, actually, you might have seen it because you do like horror movies. What did you take? What, what was your take on the Saw franchise? The first three, not after the third, oh, one, but like the first uh, three. They, they were okay. Um, I did like them. I did watch them. 
Um, but then, yeah, after three, they always get a little weird, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, they were, they were okay. Um, I sometimes I feel like, you know, like you were saying with Cape Fear, the thrillers I feel are actually more scary because it could actually happen. <laughs> Whereas if you're watching something like paranormal activity or something like that, eh, no, nah, that's bullshit. That would never happen. Right. <laughs> I'll, t I'll make this, I'll make this recommendation. If you're a reader for like really good crime and horror books, pick up the books by Chris Carter. They are like some of the most gruesome, horrific books I've ever read. The first one's called The Crucifix Killer, by the way. I read that in two days. Oh, wow. I sat there, I was like, oh my god, this is so amazing. Because I've never read like a thriller book or a, or a crime book where they go into such detail. Like, mm -hmm. um, hold on, I'm going to read the synopsis because I don't want to give any spoilers away. But this is the synopsis of the book. It's, in a derelict house in LA, a young woman is found savagely murdered, naked, Drunk from two wooden posts, the skin has been ripped from her face while she was still alive. On the nape of her neck is carved a, double, a strange double cross, the signature of a psychopath known as the Crucifix Killer. But that's not possible because two years ago, the Crucifix Killer was caught and executed. Could this be the mark of a copycat? Or is homicide detective Robert Hunter forced to face the unthinkable? Is the real Crucifix Killer still out there, taunting, the, uh, taunting Hunter with his inability to catch him? That is the synopsis. And I will tell you this the whole Sounds like a good one. <laughs> the whole book. Like the whole series is just like this heavy duty psychological thriller of holy crap, this is insane. I like it. I have to check it out. Yeah, I, I would recommend it like crazy. Um <laughs> but it's also to do with good writing. That's the <laughs> thing I always tell people to, to read graphic and well, read trashy novels because they have like really good writing. And very few people think about that, like from a from an engaging standpoint. Yeah, because they're telling a story. Mm. And that's what sales really is. That's what business really is, telling a story. And something you mentioned earlier is money stories. Because mm -hmm. we do tell a story of ourselves about how we make our money. And yep. out, out of curiosity, like, how, what was the big shift for you? Like, what did you change your money story to? Because I know it was like 35000 is my cap. But did you change yeah. your money story to like half a million is my cap or what? No, I didn't. Um, you know, I really what it was, what the real block that I uncovered was, was that as I was growing up, I was always taught that being rich or having money was a bad thing, mm -hmm. um, that people wouldn't like you for it. Um, so I think I just kind of put my own invisible cap. And when I realized that that was complete bullshit, <laughs> um, I just completely opened myself up to have no cap. Um, and, and even, you know, looking back, I, I think last year I had a goal to reach like six figures. I was like, oh, I just want to reach six figures. Be happy with that. I reached that in the first three months of last year. And I was like, okay, wow. I think I need to bump that up. <laughs> um, and then there was just like no stopping, no stopping. That's incredible. Okay, so kind of coming up to my favorite part of the show. So I'm going to ask you three things that someone can do that's listening to this podcast right now to go from where they are to the, where they want to be. To give you an idea where they are, that either someone that's in a job that's trying to start their own business or someone that's in a business that's not able to take it to that level, like they're struggling. They're basically where you were and where I was, um, where they've wanted to do so much. They're in debt, but they're hurting, but they know they can make it because they cannot settle for a job. What would be the three pieces of advice that you give them? Yeah, number one is just believe in yourself. I think that we just discredit ourselves so much and that's why we don't move forward. That's why we don't do things. That's why we don't try things. We don't put ourselves out there because we just don't believe that we're going to make it happen. Um, so believing in yourself is definitely number one. 
um, shifting your mindset um, about money, like get smart about money and not smart in the way of, you know, savings and stocks and bonds and all that kind of stuff. But like really, you know, what it means to you if you have any stuff that's holding you back um, as far as money's concerned, like the stories I was telling, um, get rid of it, forgive it, get it out of your mind um, and put a new belief there in place of it. Um, that helped me a lot. Um, this like little yellow Corvette keeps coming into my head <laughs> because that that's like the story. That's where like my money story started. My dad, I remember him getting this Corvette and he was just like, Oh, I don't want people to know. And I remember he got like this bracelet or a necklace that had like this evil eye on it because he wanted to, um, turn away everybody who was going to curse him for having this Corvette. And it was just like a big deal. Um, and, and those are like my first money memories. It's just like, no, this is bad. It's bad to work your butt off and make money and actually have a reward for it. So, um, and then the last thing is just like celebrate what you already have, which ties into gratitude. Um, I think so often we always look at like what we haven't achieved or how far we have to go. But if you really look at like what you've accomplished, especially in the, um, the example for an entrepreneur who maybe is just starting and just hasn't gained that traction yet, you really do have to reflect and look back and say like what you have accomplished and what you've been able to do and celebrate that. That was a big thing for me as well. I, I was just like, Oh no, that's just, that, that was just what I'm supposed to do, you know? And I would never celebrate the fact that I was, you know, um, having a $50,000 a month or making a hundred thousand in three months. I was just saying, no, no, no. I just kept going. And, you know, once I started actually having gratitude for that and, and celebrating that, then I just kept getting more and more. That is incredible. All right. So that's pretty awesome. Thank you for being on the show, Jan. This was really fun. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I, want, I totally want to get you back on the show another time. <laughs> Guys, go check out jenscalia.com. That's J-E-N-N-S-C-A-L-I-A.com. Links is always in the description and on the site as well. Uh, go ahead. If you want to check out some more um, podcasts, go ahead and check those out as well. We've got loads coming up as well. Jen, it's been a pleasure having you here, and I really look forward to seeing and hearing of more of your successes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Take care, guys, and speak to you soon.